The University of Central Missouri is an institution like no other. From its roots as a progressive teacher's college founded after one of the most tragic periods in our nation's history to today, where it is an internationally recognized university with over 12,000 students studying over 100 majors. In a world that is ever-changing, the University of Central Missouri has produced the students who change it. The University of Central Missouri provides students from across the globe, not just an education, but a sense of community service and purpose. Join us as we explore that journey through the tragedies of war, the triumphs of peace, and the ultimate goal of education for service. This is the history of the University of Central Missouri. The end of the Second World War saw a reinvigoration of the college. Peace had come, and with it, a sense of a positive future and hope. Men and women, during a rapid demobilization from war efforts, set their sights to the future. Ashley McGuffey, author, University of Central Missouri, 150 years of education for service. So after World War II, there was uh, a large large increase in the student population. So beforehand, it had really been only uh, like surrounding the surrounding population that was coming, but then all of a sudden it was, it was returning soldiers being able to take advantage of the GI Bill. Uh, it was uh, people who were suddenly like, hey, college seems like a great opportunity for me. And so we really had just a huge increase in students. And that really helped kind of get us out of the funk that we had been in because of the Great Depression and World War II. We just really had a very minuscule student population. So this really just led to the big boom in students on campus. And that helped lead to the Greeks and the football team and um, just everything coming back. As the campus grew, so did the curriculum offerings of the school. Degrees such as the Bachelor of Science in Music Education and Business Administration were offered. The long-awaited graduate program was created, awarding the first Masters of Science in Education in 1948. This graduate program, offering over 40 courses, as well as a major reorganization of the old divisional model of campus, led to a slew of organizational recognitions over the next decade. These included the American Association of University Women, the National Association of Schools of Music, the North Central Association of Colleges and Schools, the American Association of Colleges for Teacher Education, and the National Council for the Accreditation of Teacher Education. Another momentous event happened in 1954 with the Supreme Court in deliberating Brown versus the Board of Education, determining that the separate but equal doctrine was unconstitutional. This enabled African-American and other students of color to attend the college for the first time in its history. Dr. Dolia Cook-Gillis, Professor of History and Africana Studies, University of Central Missouri. I think originally from the interviews that I had, um, you know, everything was low key. Um, there was not any type of protest or some of the ugliness that we see in images from other campuses where people were taunted or mistreated. Um, walking across the um, courtyard, perhaps people may have made remarks. 
But overall, they found um, the campus to be welcoming given the conditions. Um, so those, because they're first in the few, when you have to understand the first in the few are gonna be the best and the brightest and the most perfect, because that was a part of the NAACP strategy. So it's be going to become very difficult, if you will, to, um, I guess, dismiss their presence. They're gonna be very capable. In the case of Reverend Price Ellis, he was a Korean War veteran. Uh, he was a bit older. He was married um, with his uh, family living in Warrensburg. Um, he became very active um, in the church. And in fact, he was so well liked by um, the UCM family um, that he was invited back to teach, but he decided to um, move to Kansas City and he was a longtime instructor at Penn Valley Community College where he retired from. When the Brown versus Board of Education decision came down, the university was very quick, like almost immediately, to uh, you know support that. So the university did allow that. Unfortunately, um, while you, while like especially in the in the Ray tours, you do see um, an increase in African American and people of color um, in in the student body requirements for entry were made a little tougher and that really that really made it hard for like inner city schools just as the problems are today they were there in the 50s um, it really made it hard for inner city schools to compete and it really made it hard for the students themselves to get into the school so it really wasn't until 19 the 1980s that you see just an explosion of African-Americans and people of color on campus. Along with growth and course offerings came evolutions in student life. Greek life, which had dwindled significantly during the war, became a major force in student activities with their allure of brother and sisterhood. Sigma Tau Gamma was actually uh, founded by a lot of our ambulance corps uh, students, returning students, because when they came back, they really didn't feel like a lot of other people understood the horrors that they'd seen out in the uh, the in World War One, and so they helped create this little like honors fraternity that turned into a Greek fraternity, so um, for for themselves, so that they could bond. Uh, the Greeks had been around since the first the first. Uh, Fraternity had been around since the 1890s, but it was disbanded after a couple years because it was seen as little better than a dancing hall club. Um, and then the first sorority was actually orphaned after its first year by its national chapter. So it was just this lone little local chapter trying to survive. Um, and they, they had kind of started becoming uh, better established on campus by the 1910s. Succeeding President Deemer was Warren C. Lovinger. At the time, President Lovinger was presiding over the Teachers College of Aberdeen in South Dakota. He and his wife were invited to tour the campus and fell in love at first sight. President Lovinger became the driving force in one of the most significant periods of expansion at the college. President Lovinger has a very mixed legacy. Um, he oversaw probably the greatest expansion of buildings built during his tenure, but he also oversaw um, a very difficult time 
with many of the civil rights movements kicking off and the Vietnam War protests happening, and he really, uh, he really censored things on campus. Um, so the student uh, general, or the student governing board, whatever their name is, uh, they were censored very heavily. They were made to have only the same uh, like voice as him. Uh, the student newspaper was censored incredibly heavily, and anyone who spoke against that censorship, um, if they were a student, they faced potential expulsion. Dr. Roger Best, President, University of Central Missouri. Uh, you know, the interesting thing about uh, President Lovinger, when he became president, the, the idea of what institutions and colleges were, and we were a college at the time, was very much parental in nature. So the institution and therefore the faculty served more as your parent and told you when you would do things, how you would do things, where you would do things, what time you were going to bed, those, those sorts of things. And so realistically, when he became president, that's what was anticipated as an institution. It was actually during his tenure that, that society began to shift on that and became much more the institution isn't my parent. You can't actually dictate what my lifestyle is or what my life is going to be. And so we saw that through the late 60s and into the 70s. Um, and so that, that very big pendulum swing became from institution as the parent to it's not parent at all. And that's when we started seeing that notion in higher education of look to your left, look to your right. Somebody's not gonna be here next week. Uh, and now we've really moved back towards the center and then maybe back towards uh, parental notions of what institutions do. It's really our job to facilitate the success of our students and help move them forward. Uh, I did have an opportunity to read uh, President Lovinger's inauguration speech for when he became president and was installed. And, and I will tell you that he did very much have a vision for this institution and uh, he saw the growth coming. Dr. Chuck Ambrose, former president, University of Central Missouri. I uh, always wanted to meet Dr. Lovinger. Um, there is always, and I, and I say always, but I say the majority, Josh, of institutions in the midst of the expansion in the post-GI Bill or the GI Bill uh, generation uh, of expansion for higher ed that had a Warren Lovinger, a builder, you know, uh, kind of that paternal president that still believed that on loco parentis was real you know, taking responsibility for your actions just as much as you'd take responsibility for your own. Um, and those presidents, um, it was Lim Stokes at Pfeiffer, uh, you know, somebody who had the opportunity to build 23 buildings on a college campus. I mean, and do it with the architectural integrity that Dr. Lovinger did for the Warrensburg campus, making it, you know, really one of those beautiful campus facilities this time also saw the acquisition of one of the most notable areas of campus, Pertle Springs. With the addition of the Keth Memorial Golf Course, the former health spa became a recreational park for students, as well as an educational center for science field work in the areas of archaeology and biology. Pertle Springs was a fantastic addition to the university. Um, it had already been a area of like leisure and relaxation for the students anyway. Like there were students going back to the, the turn of the century that talked about ice skating there during the winter and fishing in the spring and summer. And so for it to finally actually be a part of the university itself was really great. That's when the, like the pool was built and the golf course was later added. And so it became just 
uh, a really great part of the university. The 1960s saw a decade of great change in the nation with the election and assassination of President John Kennedy. The escalation of both the Cold War and the war in Vietnam and the coming of age of the largest generation in American history, the baby boomers. At the conclusion of the Second World War, many soldiers returned to build homes and start families, and this led to the single largest baby boom in the nation's history, and this generation went to college in numbers never seen before. Uh, the baby boomer generation coming to campus was a very mixed lot, as it, as it still is today, very mixed lot. And <laughs> So you, you know, you have just an explosion of programs, like of varying uh, areas of interest to feel just all of these students coming in. So um, that was another part of the great expansion under Levenger was just, we have even more programs now on campus than, than the school had before. And it was just, we are almost as big as we were then we have faced some issues here and there, but uh, the multitude of programs we have is because of the baby boomers coming to campus. Central Missouri State College saw such a growth in its student body that it had to add new residence halls to house them all, including Hudson, Foster, Knox, Nickerson, Nattinger, Bradshaw, and the Ellis Complex. The college even built its first apartment complex, Hawkins Hall, and with the growth of Greek life, it added the fraternity complex and the Panhellenic Hall. Another significant addition during this time was that of Skyhaven Airport, donated to the university by local businessman Max Swisher in 1966. Campus changed during the 1960s uh, a lot. We had many new buildings built. Um, the, what is now the Humphreys Building used to be two buildings, and it was uh, the training school on one side and the science building on the other, uh, but the science building was way too small. Uh, so a new science building, the third science building, the Morris Building, was built, and then a connection was built between the Humphreys and the old Morris, and then Humphreys was just given to the entire name. So uh, that was just one of the many buildings built. Uh, the old smoke or the old powerhouse with the big smoke tunnel that was knocked down for like uh, for more expansion. We just had almost every building we have today on campus. It came from the 1960s for the most part. Some were built in the 40s and 50s and some were a little later, but the great array of buildings we have is really from the 60s. As the campus and student body grew, it also grew in diversity of both individuals and viewpoints. The world was changing and the college was changing too. The 60s are considered one of the most tumultuous times in U.S. history and at the university. The war in Vietnam loomed over the country and the university. And much like President Hendricks during the First World War, President Lovinger could be considered a war hawk. President Levenger believed that the Vietnam War uh, should be supported. And so he believed that everyone who was not in support of the war uh, didn't necessarily need a place at the university. Um, so when there were anti-war protests, he would have um, 
private eyes in civilian clothes, mingling with everybody and taking secret pictures. And then he would go through those pictures and uh, see who possibly needed to be expelled or let go. Kamau King, UCM Honorary Doctor of Laws. President Lovinger was <laughs> far to the right. Um, our assembly, he used to call assemblies and he would have military guys come and speak to us. Um, and that wasn't, you know, just part of my part of my makeup, but it was required that you be there. Um, so that was a challenge, understanding the rigidness. But that wasn't because I was black. That was just the way it was uh, for everyone here. This time on campus saw a notable crackdown on the student body by President Lovinger. The civil unrest in the nation was mirrored on campus with students protesting for civil rights, women's rights, and against the war in Vietnam. President Lovinger came down pretty hard on the students and faculty that, that protested um, when there was a Black Panther chapter from Kansas City that came onto campus. Anyone that went to that uh, faced disciplinary action, and some of the people that helped get that chapter to come to campus were actually uh, expelled. Um, faculty that sided with the students were, their positions were frozen, they, they didn't get the raises they deserved, and some were let go. It was really just a tough time on campus. We were expelled in 1969, in the spring of 1969. I, I submit that 1968 was the most tumultuous year, in the, one of the most tumultuous years in the history of America. Mm -hmm. uh, Martin Luther King had been assassinated in April of 68. Uh, Robert Kennedy assassinated in June or July of that year. Uh, the Tet Offensive in Vietnam, where the Vietnamese overran uh, the Marines three times, took over three hills, but overran them, overran them, came back over them. And all this was being televised. Walter Cronkite, mm -hmm. uh, CBS Evening News every, every evening. And then uh, in September uh, or in the fall, the Democratic National Convention just blew up mm -hmm. uh, as a result of uh, the racism in Mississippi, uh, the Democratic uh, Party was being challenged who to seat. Uh, the uh, students against the war were in the streets of Chicago, and the mayor of Chicago uh, took the attitude that he was going to control that. It just So that, that was 1968. So that was the atmosphere in America. You know, if you were against the war, you were communist or a chicken are, you know, mm -hmm. unpatriotic, unpatriotic. Um, and the racial issues were, were coming up. And I think that um, even in uh, the president, Johnson, he just said, hey, I'm not, I'm not running. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the atmosphere that was going on. Uh, that's what we were living in. Burnell Powell, UCM Honorary Doctor of Laws. Mm -hmm. The idea that racially that we could compartmentalize people and press them down and assign roles to them and limit them, that was breaking down. Uh, the, the country was was in a transition. And uh, those who were 
uh, intelligent and sensitive uh, and contemplative, they could see this. And then we had to find a, a new way to, uh, to do things. Uh, but the uh, old guard uh, was still insisting, you know, uh, uh, make America great again. Uh, that, that's what we were. That's what we were experiencing in, in, in the in the 60s. Uh, uh, one group of people who uh, primarily were focused uh, on uh, what they call stability and another group of people saying, uh, this situation will uh, never be stable uh, until we reconcile the differences. Well, we started the uh, Association of Black Collegians so that we could speak to the issues of um, the black students on campus. And I'm proud that it's still, it's still <laughs> a, a campus organization. Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, um, I'll take the credit for the name, uh, ABC. Um, so... We wanted to be heard. We wanted not only to listen to the military, but to listen to other voices also. Um, and that's the reason that uh, we invited the, um, the Black Panther Party down. We just wanted to hear. We were not Black Panthers, uh, but we wanted to hear. We, they were on the TV and, hey, you know, let's get them down here and hear what they have to mm -hmm. say. Um, and we went through the channels. We were a recognized um, organization on campus. We had gone through the channels. We uh, had the authorization to do it, had the room. <laughs> and then the alphas did. I'm not sure that they, I don't think that ABC did. OK, I, I thought it was ABC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. OK. Um, but anyway, we we had the authorization. And then at the last minute, uh, mm -hmm. uh, they told us, no, they can't come. So uh, it was like around three or four o'clock when they told us this and the meeting was supposed to take place at seven. And that was before the age of real good communication. So we were just like in a, between a rock and a hard place. What do we do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> They're on the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they made the decision. We're going to come anyway. Uh, once it was communicated to them that, uh, that they couldn't come. I don't think that it was ever communicated. No, I think, I think it was. I'm pretty sure that somebody told me that they said they were coming anyway. Oh, okay. So, uh, uh, but I was also trying to remember, uh, was Sintwali president of ABC at that time? Uh, no, I was. We had, you were. Okay. Well, we had uh, separate uh, organizations, the Alphas and the, and, and, uh, the Association of Black Collegiates. But uh, one of the things that, that I think is important to understand uh, was that uh, the Alphas, uh, as a fraternity, uh, has always had membership that has been at the forefront of uh, urging equality uh, uh, for blacks and for all people. Uh, it is the uh, fraternity of Martin Luther King and of Thurgood Marshall, uh, of Whitney Young, uh, you know, on and on. Ralph Bunch, when you think about uh, who the champions uh, for civil rights uh, and uh, equality in this country was, uh, or you really can't uh, identify those people without mentioning uh, Alpha Phi Alpha. Well, we started the uh, Association of Black Collegians so that we could speak to the issues of um, the black students on campus. And I'm proud that it's still, it's still <laughs> a, a campus organization. Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, um, I'll take the credit for the name, uh, ABC. Um, so we wanted to be heard. We wanted 
not only to listen to the military, but to listen to other voices also. Um, and that's the reason that uh, we invited the, um, the Black Panther Party down. Mm-hmm. We just wanted to hear. We were not Black Panthers, um, but we wanted to hear. We, they were on the TV and, hey, you know, let's get them down here and hear what they have to mm-hmm. say. Um, and we went through the channels. We were a recognized um, organization on campus. We had gone through the channels. We uh, had the authorization to do it, had the room. <laughs> and then the Alphas did. I'm not sure that they, I don't think that ABC did. OK, I, I thought it was ABC. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. OK. Um, but anyway, we we had the authorization. And then at the last minute, uh, mm-hmm. uh, they told us, no, they can't come. So uh, it was like around three or four o'clock when they told us this and the meeting was supposed to take place at seven. And that was before the age of real good communication. So we were just like in a between a rock and a hard place. What do we do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're on the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they made the decision. We're going to come anyway. Uh, once it was communicated to them that uh, that they couldn't come. I don't now, think it was, that it was ever communicated. No, I think I think it was. I'm pretty sure that somebody told me that they said they were coming anyway. Oh, okay. So, uh, uh, but I was also trying to remember, uh, Sintwa- was Sintwali president of ABC at that time? Uh, no, I was. We had, you were. Okay. Well, we had uh, separate uh, organizations, <laughs> the Alphas and the and uh, the Association of Black Collegiates. But uh, one of the things that that I think is important to understand uh, was that uh, the Alphas, uh, as a fraternity, uh, has always had membership that has been at the forefront of uh, urging equality uh, uh, for blacks and for all people. Uh, It is the uh, fraternity of Martin Luther King and of Thurgood Marshall, Whitney Young, uh, you know, on and on. Ralph Bunch, when you think about uh, who the champions uh, for civil rights uh, and uh, equality in this country was, uh, or you really can't uh, identify those people without mentioning uh, Alpha Phi Alpha. There was a a window that was cracked, uh, one of the side panel windows at the student union. Uh, uh, was cracked. Uh, And there was a, uh, I remember they kept repeating, there was a chair in the student union that was broken. You know, well, this was the extent of the quote-unquote riot that took place at at Central Missouri State. Uh, First of all, it could not have had anything to do with us. We weren't even on campus. Uh, Secondly, in, in uh, most institutions, they probably would have simply considered that incidental damage because anytime you get two or 300 people together, something uh, can happen. But whatever spin you want to put on it, it was not a, a riot, riot. By, by any means. And I, too, remember the gauntlet uh, that was set up. Uh, the the uh, person on the uh, intercom, uh, uh, you know, was demanding that we give... Uh, uh, up uh, our yeah. student identifications. Right. Well, uh, I knew that the university knew who I was. And so the idea of giving up a, uh, an identification uh, really didn't make a whole lot of uh, sense to me. Uh, I think that I uh, did give them my student ID, uh, but uh, I knew that uh, it, it was 
very likely that uh, they knew who I was and they knew who they wanted to pick out. And in fact, uh, uh, over time, it was uh, revealed to us uh, through our lawyer who had was talking with the administration and and, and uh, in particular with President Lovinger, uh, what was going on in the discussions uh, uh, with him, and that uh, uh, the administration uh, characterized uh, uh, Kamal and Santwale uh, uh, and me as uh, the ring leaders and. Uh, had decided that it wanted to make an example of the ring leaders. Uh, one of the examples, uh, well, for instance, uh, uh, at, at the time, I had completed all of my uh, classroom work, uh, but I was scheduled to student teach the, tr- the, the last semester, uh, which meant that I basically was going to spend three months off campus. That I am going to uh, uh, be... Uh, kicked out of uh, uh, of college on some trumped up charges on a basis that uh, is, I think, completely unconstitutional, uh, and 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 then go into the military. Uh, that would be the equivalent of letting uh, evil win, uh, in in my view, and so uh, that ended any uh, option in in that regard. Well, you know, we had we had a trial. <laughs> <laughs> yes. There was there was there was charges brought of uh, trespassing in the student union, and we were convicted of trespassing in the student union, which uh, I've um, I've had to put down every time I apply for a license, every time I apply for uh, university. Uh, have you ever been convicted? Have you ever been suspended? Mm-hmm. I have to put that down, put this the situation down. So that's one way it impacted me. Yes. Uh, the other, the other uh, thing that I realized that the, the day I was expelled uh, was that I've been in school my entire life. <laughs> I, had, I had been in school since I could remember, uh, and I had wanted to stay in school. So we immediately began to, you know, apply to other schools so that because he had to do mm-hmm. uh, because they didn't let him finish his student teaching. He had to do another year, and I had to do another year. The, the thing that I learned, though, was that sun rises, you get hungry, you <laughs> eat, and you move forward. Uh, and behind every dark cloud, there's some silver linings. Um, being at the University of Missouri, Kansas City, uh, it was it was fun. I got to do some acting. Brunel met his wife mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> of 40 yes. years. Uh, and I was able to sharpen up my writing skills, mm-hmm. uh, preparing for law school. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned uh, Dr. Ambrose, uh, because uh, I think that uh, the thing that I noticed that was most different was that uh, the campus had a leader who was engaging and investing in the students. Uh, I spoke of, uh, of uh, Dr. Lovinger as being this, uh, this figure who simply wanted to dominate uh, I, and that he did not understand, he did not listen, he did not engage. 
that that is true. But I think the other side of it, particularly that period of time, that expulsion could have meant the end of their careers. Um, even um, they talk about the shame that they felt and that their families felt of being expelled because the idea is to go on and to do exceptional things. Um, you know, Hillary Clinton gets the credit for it takes a village, but that is an African proverb and that is definitely a part of African-American culture. That is why African-Americans celebrate the way that they do at graduations, much to the chagrin of many people, but it takes a village. It takes a village that when one person in that family makes it, that entire family is really uplifted and what it has taken to get that one person through. The class of 1970 gifted six metallic plates inscribed with the Bill of Rights to the university. Attached to the base of the flagpole in the quad, these serve as a monument to American freedom. There were more protests to protest his anti-protest um, ideas. Uh, and then after, after the Black Panthers were on campus, there was actually a list of demands made that uh, were like, hey, you know, we deserve the rights to free speech. We deserve this. We deserve that. And uh, for the most part, they were largely ignored. Um, one of the demands was that the students who had been expelled should be allowed to come back. And that was absolutely ignored. Um, it was it was really bad. Um, the the Bill of Rights plaques that are on the uh, flagpole like uh, monument today are um, are from a, they're a class gift to remember that free speech, right to assembly, all of those things are given in the Bill of Rights, and so they should be honored on campuses and so that was really <laughs> that's really probably the biggest outcome of of Lovinger's and anti-protest ideas.